Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, um, I'm AMD and I will be your host on today's podcast. Just had a nice interview with Charm, aka Lindsay. Um, met Charm doing the Cool Cats online show. So Charm, you know, worked in Hollywood down the street from where I worked in Hollywood, but we never met in person. Um, I didn't even know who Charm was until the pandemic happened and online strip shows happened. And, um, and then I was sort of introduced to her through some other colleagues that I've had over the last few years. And, um, I think that's something that was really beautiful about the pandemic is that so many more of us were connected, um, like never before. Um, so I really do value that, that specific, like, connection growth spurt that we all had. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted Lindsay to come on the show because, um, you know, back in July, uh, her and her colleagues had lost their Instagram account. Um, and then they got it back. And I thought it was kind of an interesting, inspiring story of losing the, you know, it really fucking sucks losing your Instagram account. Some people lose them multiple times and, and some people lose them and never get them back. And so it just kind of felt like a little bit of a win. You lost your Instagram account for being a slut and you got it back. So we wanted to share that, but then it turns out Lindsay has just such interesting insight on what it's like working in strip clubs in Los Angeles, where tons of celebrities just walk through the door, like a rotating door of celebrities that we would see out there all the time. And, um, you know, I don't think it's something that we've really talked about at length, what that's like, what it's like to have really, really famous people watching you dance in like either half naked or topless, like all the time. Um, and yeah, sure. A lot of strippers, a lot of celebrities go into strip clubs, but in Hollywood, it was like every single night there was somebody famous. Um, and huge, huge names regularly coming into those bars. And, um, it's just a really interesting dynamic and, um, something that I'm happy for you to hear a couple of, uh, famous people's stories in this episode. Um, what it's like to dance for celebrities and how they behave in the strip club. Very interesting stuff. So anyways, without further ado, you don't have to listen to me ramble on anymore. Um, I would like to get us on over to Charm, aka Lindsay, to hear all about her. Hey everyone, I'm AMD, back with another amazing episode. But you know, at the top, I just got to remind y'all that we're still doing listener-funded shows. So yeah, PayPal is a thing, paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. We are accepting your tips. We love getting rained on and all of the money that comes in goes to guests and hosts of this show so that we can actually start paying sex workers. It's been really great. And thank you so much to those of you who have donated and sent in your dough. Um, and if you haven't feel free, you know, a little bit or a lot, whatever you want, no pressure, a dollar, $5, $2,000. It's totally up to you. Um, so yeah, I'd love to introduce you to our new amazing guest. I have charm on the line with me. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm glad that we can make this work. I've been dying to chat with you. Yeah, me too. I'm really yeah. excited about being on today. Awesome. Can you let everyone know what your pronouns are? Yeah, I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. I like both. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm using both as well. I'm, yeah. I like it. And when people call me they, them every now and then, I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Because you know, I feel like everyone defaults to she, her, but I love hearing mm -hmm. they, them. Yeah. 
it's good to give people the option. I think I mean, if you're comfortable with multiple, like to make the choice, because I, I feel similarly, like mm-hmm. I don't mind being called she, her, when people do use the they, them, I feel a little validated. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm loving that. And, um, so where, where are you calling from? You're over in, um, on the West coast, right? Yes, I'm here in uh, sunny LA. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. it like over there these days? Um, interesting. Yeah. With things still being like, I don't know, things are kind of like quasi shut down at this mm. point. Like the mask mandate is back, but it's not really super enforced. Uh, and I've been out of the actual strip clubs for two years now. So like, I feel weirdly because of like the pandemic and the virtual shows and different activist things that have been going on. Like I've been like more involved with the community than I feel like I was before, but I also have been farther away from it. And, And I feel like that kind of just extends to most of the social interactions I would have out here. Um, right right now with the way that things are. Uh, so yeah, I feel like slowly kind of getting back to a semblance of real life. Uh, yeah. Which is what I desperately want. <laughs> yeah. 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 I saw you did acro strip recently, right? Yeah. That was, was incredible. Yeah. That was just over the weekend and it was, um, on last Saturday, it was my first time performing in person in the flesh in front of people dancing um since before the pandemic and like i can't even explain how energizing that was made on one hand it was exhausting because i hadn't sure. used that much energy yeah um, but it was also just like oh my god like i'd missed that atmosphere so much and totally i had the opportunity to like hang out and get ready with the other dancers beforehand and just like oh my god it was really good for me yeah, <laughs> yeah. i hear that i'm gonna be I... doing some two two shows with them next month as well oh that's awesome more more in-person shows yeah Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I could see like the energy on the Instagram videos of the crowd and like, and gosh, I remember what a time, like, I think being on stage and people like raging while you're on stage, is like just one of the best feelings in the world. Like, wow, I moved these people to this point, you know? Yeah. And, um, I saw, I saw a couple of videos yours and I think pepper spray. And I was just like, Oh God, I miss that so much. What an exhilarating feeling that must have been. So congrats. Yeah, because it's like it's an actual I mean, not only is it, you know, there's the transactional, you know, money for my energy thing, but it's also like the energy that you're getting back and then I can give more and yeah. Oh, and that's what I love. And because I'm before I'm a dancer, I'm a performer and an actor and just like it's it's rare that I get, especially since the pandemic and I haven't been able to dance like that in person, the opportunity to like really have that exchange of energy with people where I feel like I can, I really understand how they're reacting to what I'm doing compared mm-hmm. to like acting or other types of stuff. It's like, it's, it's so direct. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I guess I never really looked at like the difference between but yeah, being an actor and then being like literally on stage where there is that like transference of energy and um, yeah. And I, I've said to people before, like, oh, I love being on stage, being on stage, it's like the greatest feeling. And they're like, oh, like, why do you think that is? Because you just want the attention. Like you just are an attention whore. That's basically what they're saying without calling me an attention <laughs> whore. But it's like, no, it's like what you said. It's like you're you're having like an experience with a, a group of people. And yeah. there's something really special about that. Yeah. And yeah. particularly like in acting, that's always the goal too, or like the ultimate goal is that like you can perform in a way that you change people and you give them like permission to live and you know it's really beautiful but that's I I, to me I think that takes a lot more and that's something I work on constantly like crafting and cultivating 
for some reason, dancing is just like, so I can become so uninhibited in a way that it's, it's hard for me to do an acting that like, I, I swear, like, I, I like black out sometimes yeah. <laughs> when I'm dancing. I know exactly um, what you mean. But it's like beautiful, kind of yeah. like meditative sometimes even. Totally. Yeah. Like when you come out of it, you're like, wait, what What did I, what just happened? Where am I? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I get that. Oh, <laughs> the good old days. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of those, um, you were – you know, everyone like freaked out when they lost their job in March of 2020, yeah. right? <laughs> but that was y'all in what, November of 2019 when yeah. your club yeah. Sh shut down? Yeah. Do you want to give a little backstory? Definitely. So I was working, I moved to LA three years ago, um, the summer of 2018. And then I started working at Cheetahs in Hollywood and I worked there for about a year and a half until they ended up switching management and, and unceremoniously firing everybody over text one day. Um, and yeah, so that was really the whole formation, well, like foundation of my experience living in LA and learning how to dance here and learning who the dancers are here and just getting into that groove was, was done there. Um, mm -hmm. and I come from Michigan. Uh, I've been dancing for five years. So I'd been dancing there for quite a while before I moved. Um, and it's a very different type of hustle. So I really had to adjust when I came out here because it's so much more competition and it's, it's more cutthroat and the customers are harder to their city people and they're mm -hmm. younger and they're, they're not just there. Like it's not just older guys like who know what they want in and out. <laughs> and they're like nice, yeah. good Christians who feel guilty about it. And they're just like gone when it's done. It, I, I had to learn how to really like, you know, put the, I, I don't know how to work. I just like put, put my, become the person who could convince somebody who was like my age, who was just there to party to, to, to right. dance. And I feel like I had kind of just finally gotten to that point where I was making the same amount of money that I was back home. And I was, you know, having the sort of lifestyle that I wanted to financially and supporting myself and my acting and other creative endeavors. And then it was just like, shoot, taken right out from under us. Um, because of AB5, uh, which was a law that was passed that made it so, and I, I believe that was passed in June of 2019. That sounds... Some, it was in the summer, or at least I, it may have been passed before that, but I know that was like probably around the time that it actually went into effect for us. Yeah, um, that, I think it passed yeah. in January of 2019, actually, and then yeah. some people got extended, and then other businesses were like, fuck that, and then eventually they, yeah. they turned over. Yeah, it's so complex. Yeah. yeah, I think Cheetahs was attempting to do the fuck, the whole fuck that thing, and then somebody eventually was like, you know, you have to, you have to follow the law. Uh, crazy. Uh, so <laughs> eventually they were, they switched us over to employee status, um, you know, which in theory sounds like it could be really beneficial. Uh, but the, the model of the, the employee manager kind of relationship that's common in strip clubs did not really support, uh, it, the the benefits that you would assume that could come from employee status so for example things like healthcare or other types of benefits you know they, they they ensured that we could only work a certain amount of hours a week so that we couldn't actually receive benefits like that and right there were things like oh yeah now you're getting minimum wage which you know if it were on top of the money we we're already making that would be amazing uh but in to, to basically supplement for the fact that they had to pay us minimum wage uh, or rather compensate themselves for that. They would take the first, I believe it was the first five dances you sell tonight and they're $25 each. So 
I had to sell $125 worth of dances before I even started making money off of dances. And then, and all that money was going to the house. So right. that was way more money than I was ever paying out in house fees at the end of the night. Um, so yeah, yeah, we were just making even less money and it was harder to hustle because you had to prepay everything. And yeah. So even yeah. with all of the money they were taking from us, they couldn't afford to continue <clears throat> payrolling us. And then one night I was working a private party for FKA Twigs. And the next day we all got a group text that we were in essence fired. That's not Mm -hmm. how they worded it. And they like to act that that's not really what they did, but that's what they did. And we were very lost (laughs) before the pandemic even happened because all the places that I personally would have really considered wanting to go to, were also not hiring because they were having the same issues and they didn't want to payroll more dancers either. <clears throat> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot, but no, yeah. no, it, it's great. <laughs> um, there's just, you're right. It was a very tumultuous time because everyone was trying to figure out how to make the dancers pay their own salary, their own wages, yeah. basically. And because I remember, you know, working down the street from you at Jumbo's Clown Room. Actually, I was I left before all of that happened, but she they changed over to employee status January 1st of 2019 in Jumbo's Clown Room. And my accident where I lost my foot was like two weeks before that. So Uh I missed out on, you know, me potentially getting fired. I was certain that I was going to get fired. Oh, yeah, because I had been there for a while and I was, you know, I am who I am. And so uh, I basically I talk shit, basically. And I like I know my rights and I I you don't enjoy being stepped on. (laughs) So I I wouldn't have lasted. I'm pretty sure I was on the chopping block and I would have lost my job, too. And like, yeah, we were all just bouncing around at that time. Yeah. Yeah, And it was very difficult. And um. Um, I'm sorry that that happened, that y'all lost your job like that. It really sucks. And, and, um, and I know that there like very little community rallied around those dancers, you and, and everyone else. And I know that. And do you have, like, is there anything that stands out about that during that time or do you have any like about like about the that? lack of support? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, it was kind of, I don't know. It was just crazy to me. I was always under the assumption that like stripping and sex work and, and sex work is in its own way, but that's a different conversation. Like I had the idea that stripping was always going to be there until mm-hmm. I decided to stop. Mm-hmm. Then I would decide, like, I never thought that I was going to be sort of pushed out of it Mm -hmm. and i know it was just one club but it was the situation was so that it was really difficult to go somewhere else um after that and not to mention you know all the nuance of like well i had this customer base over here and now i have to go somewhere and rebuild um it was it was like a really tough time i was i was probably i probably just honestly stopped working for um like four months and was like really depressed and really like it was like somebody who loved me and like took care of me for five for four years like died (laughs) and nobody felt sorry for me right like nobody I was grieving but like kind of nobody cared because Mm -hmm. I, I mean I guess lots of reasons you know people kind of don't care about sex workers in general or like they think, well, you know, that's kind of the nature of the business. There's this high turnover rate, but like when you get established somewhere that takes so much effort, that takes so much will. And it's awful to like, have to want to start over that way. Um, And then beyond that, there were people working at, I mean, honestly, people working at places like Jumbo's or some of the other places that i would have liked to try to work, um, around that we're doing some serious gatekeeping. 
And I can't say that I don't understand it, but it, it would be a situation where it would be like, oh, they would be like, they would reach out and be like, I'm sorry, I heard this happened. And you would speak to them about it, or maybe you'd see them at a different kind of event and they'd see you dance and be like, you're really talented, la la la. And then I'd be like, yeah, like I would really like to try to audition at Jumbos or something like that. Um, and, you know, you kind of like plant the seed of like your interest there and they'd be like, oh yeah, well, I don't know if they're ever going to be hiring again anytime soon. You know, there was really just no effort. Yeah. And I understand this. I really, really understand a scarcity mentality, but it's something like with, with stripping, we're really, we, we have to, even when we fucking hate each other and there's so much infighting, like there has to be a a baseline level of like, we're kind of not all the same, but we're, we're, we need to have each other's back. We're I don't in know. this together. I mean, we are yeah. because there's no one. Okay. So the government obviously doesn't care. They make laws and then they're like, n- they don't do anything about the law that they made that completely changed everything for us. Yeah. So the government doesn't care. And like, we've actually specifically asked the government like, hi, please care, please care. Like more than once. So, and they don't. And then, yeah. um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, management and the owners, don't care. And then, you know, there's a very small percentage of clientele who like actually respect our work and what we do. And so, yeah. So it's like, yes, we need each other. There's, there's, we need that solidarity with each other in order to get through what we're going through because yeah. it's now it, it's, it wasn't just the pandemic for California strippers. It was first, it was AB five and then it was the pandemic yeah. and, and, um, and yeah, and we just, I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm just going to say it. Like, I feel like there's a lack of solidarity in California and Los Angeles in general with strippers. I do. And yeah. I, don't, I don't mind saying that out loud on air. Um, and it's, it's been disappointing. It's been disappointing to see and to walk through. And so, yeah, anyway, I saw that happen for the cheetah dancers, um, that there wasn't enough support for y'all. So yeah that's how I feel about that. and one thing that like one thing that like um the the old like clients or people who like would come in and watch me and like they did support me in a way but they would see me I would post on my stories and shit complaining about it and everyone like a lot of people trying to be helpful would say things like well you guys need to start your own club and I'm like yeah that's like you're right but like I don't, I don't know. Like even with the virtual clubs and stuff, like I've found a passion in that. And, um, it's in terms of like organizing and, and producing and getting all these different elements together, like event planning type shit. And it, I found a passion in it because I know that it's supporting other people like me who lost their jobs because the pandemic or have had less work but I'm just not interested in, in being a business owner or a producer or <laughs> an event planner. Like that's not why I got into things. Right. Yeah. Right. But also I don't think people understand like trying to open a new strip club in any city is very difficult because are we, we're getting more conservative as time goes on. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're up against like a ton of red tape and all of that stuff. And, right. um, and then like getting people in a professional level to take women and dancers seriously. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. It's not as easy. Like just start your own thing. Like you can, but like yeah. underground and kind of illegal at right. first. Yeah. <laughs> and, and liquor licenses, yeah, and, like, adult like, entertainment. It's only gets more expensive. There's a reason that hard. these clubs are owned by old ass men and it's like in its families who pass yes. it down because right they lucked out to buying that shit when they did exactly when they did yeah yeah so going back to you know the last night before the club closed on you um mm-hmm. you know you did mention briefly that fka twigs was performing that night um yeah. and just for just for a little context for our audience what, like about a year ago, there was a whole thing with FK Twigs yeah. where strippers were like, hey, man, you got to start paying attention. And a lot of 
Cheetah's dancers had an opportunity to, or didn't have the opportunity that you wanted. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, if you could kind of like walk us through, you know, what you'd like to share about that, that would be great. Yeah, well, I mean, starting off in terms of um, when she was sort of confronted last year, that was, um, I think that was a really good thing that happened. Um, and it, 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 it sort of built up. I mean, I believe that um, Selena kind of started that, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it was, I know that Faye had contact with them and was interacting to an extent. And then there were other of us dancers at Cheetahs who uh, wrote these letters uh, for Twigs that were going to be put out there. And it kind of built up into this thing. I don't know if anybody else ended up getting what they wrote to her. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel I, I I had the unique perspective of being the only one who was actually there that night. Mm. Um, and so it's been a little bit, I think, kind of like a salt in the wound that I never got um, my piece out there. And I I had been working well, Susie and um, I think Teddy and Selena had all read it and um, Honey as well, I think. And you know, I got some good feedback from them, but, uh, yeah, it never really, it went, never went farther than that. I, I got the contact of, uh, Twigs's manager's email. I sent it to him. Mm -hmm. I believe it, I believe it was a him. Um, and I got multiple emails back from him. Like the first one being like, Lindsay, thank you for your letter. Please uh be advised twigs is super busy right now with xyz event and we'll read this to you over the weekend we appreciate it so much and so i would give the time and then i would check back and they'd be like so sorry about the delay i guarantee you that twigs is gonna respond to you in the next two days and literally that just went back and forth like five times and mm -hmm. it never happened right um yeah so so this is specifically a letter <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That you wrote to Twigs about your experience of having her in your club that yeah. night, that last night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the the intention was for her to read it and then respond directly to you, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was fully your intention. Yeah. And it's a great it was a great letter and it was so vulnerable as well. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Do you have plans on doing anything with that or just holding on to it um well originally the idea was just to have you know her read it mm. um and some close people so that they could kind of you know see it and check in get feedback mm. um and then that never happened then Susie was running a blog for a while that the idea was for me to put it out on there but they wanted me to do some kind of supplementary uh work with it with like different images and stuff. And I kind of, I think I just felt kind of like kicked in the ass over the whole mm -hmm. thing. And I never really mm -hmm. got to adding to it in the way they wanted. And then yeah. it kind of fell off. Um, so yeah, it's just been like collecting internet dust in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like I could read it on here if that's something you're interested in, or I could just kind of give the, cliff notes of what the night was like um yeah if you want to read it um i'm open to that because it, it gives yeah. like a full it's just so powerful and if you feel comfortable doing that then this i kind of yeah i kind of feel like it's time <laughs> okay all um, right yeah go for it i might i might skip over some certain parts sure sure yeah. whatever is good for you Okay. Now I'm like a little nervous. I wasn't planning to do that, but I kind of just feel like let's go there. Okay. So without further ado, dear twigs, my name is Lindsay Normington. The night I danced for you at Cheetahs, I was charmed. 
I'm a multidisciplinary artist, and I believe that all strippers are by principle, especially those working in Los Angeles. I began stripping in my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan, when I was a 19-year-old college student. The freedom it gave me sexually, financially, and artistically was unprecedented for someone with a history like mine. It turned out I was really fucking good at it. I paid my way through school, graduated, packed up, and left home for Los Angeles when I was 21. Like you, I'm an actress, writer, dancer, and more. Stripping was cathartic for me because it paralleled the exploratory nature of the aforementioned arts and gave me a new, much-needed means of self-expression. Not to mention, I felt financially secure for the first time in my life. Being able to dance in Hollywood, surrounded by beautiful and interesting dancers who are also involved in all kinds of artistic ventures, should have been a complete dream come true for me. And it was, and it wasn't. I'm still getting to know the dancers I worked with at Cheetahs for over a year. When I realized that working in LA was much more cutthroat than working in Michigan, I decided I'd have to be extremely dedicated if I wanted to eventually leave stripping and pursue acting and writing full-time, as was my plan then. The thought of quote-unquote losing my dream was enough to thrust me into a perpetual trauma response. I thought of myself as high-functioning PTSD because I was able to cultivate my panic, when I went in first shift, I wasn't just snapping into work mode, I was snapping into survival mode. This self-imposed sense of urgency coupled by a management that fostered a heavy sense of competition between employees is the reason I'm still getting to know the dancers I worked with for over a year. I was so threatened by them and threatened by the idea of losing a client, losing an opportunity or a dollar that I rarely gave myself allowance to become close to anybody that I didn't already know. Meanwhile, I was writing a movie script wherein strippers helped and uplifted one another, and I was doing everything in my power to get it produced. The irony is not lost on me. At the same time, I was constantly selling myself to Cheetah's customers as their dream girl for the night. I was also selling myself as an actress and a writer. The place was crawling with so-called industry professionals. Most of them did their usual gatekeeping. Sometimes I had bites. This script is amazing and I'm not the person to help you, but I sure hope it works out was something I heard over and over again for the few who actually took a chance to read something I'd send. A famous actress once took me to dinner and convinced me to help her get a job at Cheetahs as an undercover dancer for a quote-unquote character study. As a thank you, she set me up with an audition for the same movie she was preparing for. I later found out that audition was fake. Another time, I got as far as a lunch meeting with the famous actor who was very exuberant about producing the film I'd written. I left in high spirits and called my family and told them about my good fortune. And he stopped responding to my texts and emails not long after. But the time the AB5 went into effect, the veneer of being a self-made dancer had already begun to fade. I was so constantly burnt out from being on at work that I was beginning to forget who I was outside of it. I'd been in LA for over a year now and there were certain things that were becoming more evident to me. One, celebrities were cheap people who liked to dangle carrots. Two, it doesn't matter how nice of a club you work at, most of the people who come in won't see you as a fully formed human being. And three, the only reason I thought our management was good was because I had been treated favorably for being a money machine. If I stopped trying for a moment, be it out of protest or out of exhaustion, I was criticized, reprimanded. I was losing a huge percentage of my income due to the passage of the bill. What was I supposed to do? There is always a girl who will work more for less, and I didn't want to lose my job to her. When I found out I was working your event at Cheetahs, I was excited. I had to manage my hope of making a lot of money that night because I'd seen in the past how large crowds full of influencers and famous people can do more harm than good to strippers' money. But regardless, I felt honored to be attached to anything that had your name on it. I'd like to go quite into detail about my experience that night because it was very eventful and because it was the very last night I worked at Cheetahs before I and the rest of my coworkers were unfairly terminated. The first thing I noticed were the amount of actors and artists I recognized milling about. There were even a few people there who I'd worked with on small projects in the past. These moments are always a little awkward as it outs me as a sex worker to them and the worry starts to form in my mind that will now see me as less than. It was far too busy and the crowd was far too cool to try and sell lap dances so I knew my only real hope was busting my ass on stage. I knew if I was lucky I'd have two or three chances to make money during the course of my five-hour shift. My first set went well enough money-wise. Money wise. Was, it was nothing exceptional compared to what I generally make on a Friday or Saturday, but I had to keep my expectations in check. It was just the start of my second set that things started to go awry. As the girl before me was getting off stage, I was helping her push her money to the front of the stage so she could more easily collect it. 
She was going over her time and sort of passively refusing to get off the stage by twerking for a group on the side of the rail and ignoring the DJ's cues that her set was over. Irritated and threatened and ready to begin my turn, I took a page from her book and started twerking for a group on the other side of the rail. I figured I may as well be making some money too. I felt hands reach into the back of my panties. Someone was stuffing in money. It wasn't allowed at Cheetahs, but when I realized it was two young actresses from Euphoria, I let it slide. Let them give me $5. Whatever. It was at that moment that the other dancer saw me making money that she got very angry with me. I snapped back and yelled at her to get off the stage. She assumed I was taking her money. In retrospect, we were angry about the same thing. We both sensed our money and in turn, our livelihood being threatened. She ended up leaving in a huff and I went about the rest of my set with no problems. When I left the stage to go count my money, she confronted me. She got in my space and shouted at me. At this point, I was so tired and so angry, I shouted back. She put a hand in my face, I smacked it away, and I was ready to throw a punch when my DJ put himself between us and told us to stop. You were preparing to go on stage. You were only a few feet away. He said, I'm not about to let you do this in front of the client. And I swear to God, you glanced over to us, and I was so embarrassed. Not only because you might have seen me do something out of character, but because it dawned on me that maybe you wouldn't have cared beyond it in interfering with your performance. All of it had to do with the feeling of not mattering, being invisible. It seems contradictory to say that a person could dance on stage and be thrown money and touched and grabbed and desired sexually by their audience and yet still feel invis invisible. But maybe invisible isn't the right word. Physically, I'm quite visible, but I'm voiceless. It doesn't matter how skilled or expressive I am with my body on the stage. People see me as a stripper above all else. They do not hear the things that my body has to say. When someone like you, however, who has a body of recognizable work and a high reputation as an artist takes to the pool, it's finally seen as art. You get to be seen as an artist. You are a subject. I am an object. I was dejected and flustered. I went to the bar to get a drink of water. The bar was swarmed with customers that I'd never got any water until after my third set. While I was waiting, though, I realized I was sitting next to a uh, certain actress. I won't say her name. She was also stuck waiting for a drink. I struck up a conversation with her and let her know I was a fan, and I thought she was very kind. She even took a picture with me. We shared a few moments, however, which I felt only confirmed the distance between our respective worlds. Because the two of them had worked together in the past, they mentioned the incident with the actor who had claimed he wanted to produce my movie. She kind of shrugged it off and said something to the effect of, oh, well, that's just how it goes sometimes. I nodded in agreement, but in actuality, I was really hurt by that comment. Clearly, that wasn't how it went for her. Clearly, she'd been taken seriously enough at some point to garner an actual career. When she... When she finally got her drink before me, although I'd been waiting at the bar for longer, she gestured over to her friends in the corner of the room. And I realized they were the two same actresses who uh, had stuffed money in my panties from Euphoria. She told me she was going back over to them and she must have pitied me because she quickly amended her statement to add, I guess you could come along if you'd like. A younger version of me would have said yes. I even wanted to say yes in that moment, but I declined. Being invited to the table when there really isn't a seat for you it's what happens to sex workers all the time. Good enough to be in the background of the video, but not good enough to be named on the main page, featured. I didn't want my feelings to get hurt again by someone I respected. I didn't want to sit there while some famous actors who had everything I wanted could tell me how good I was when I knew that I really only served as a prop by which they could accentuate their coolness or edginess or wokeness or whatever it is I was be being used for on that particular day. Truly, I felt like the weird girl who was invited to the popular table as a joke. I know that couldn't have been their intention, and I also know these women didn't owe me anything, but I felt so continually slighted and shortchanged by this point at Cheetahs that everything was bubbling over and coloring the present moment. There's one more moment that colored my night, which I'm embarrassed to even admit. At one point, a member of your team approached me and said, Twigs is wondering if she can use your dressing room to change for her performance. It probably seems silly, but as soon as I heard the words, Twigs is wondering if... My mind swarmed with possibilities for a split second and my heart skipped a beat. I don't know what I thought, but my body had a visceral reaction to the idea you could have wanted something from me specifically. Jaded as I may have been about famous people and working at Cheetahs, I can't deny that the part of me that looked at someone like you with childlike wonder and admiration. I wanted you to pick me. I didn't even know for what. I just wanted to feel special. I immediately chided myself for entertaining the idea and told her, of course, you can use the dressing room. 
And the next day we were all fired. I was devastated. Meanwhile, everyone was posting pictures from the event the night before. I saw images of myself going up on wildly popular influencers and celebrity Instagrams. And of course, I was not being tagged. I had known, if I had known it was my last night at Cheetahs, I would have swung on my coworker, not just because there would have been no consequences, but more importantly, because I would have felt truly significant for just a moment. I would have absolutely, it would have absolutely been a mistake, but I could have changed the atmosphere of the room. I could have an affect on people. And although the people would have no idea what I was truly so angry about, they would at least see the fact that I was angry. I would have taken attention away from you and in some sick way that it would have made me feel really important. I'm sorry that I feel that way. It's not something I'm proud of. It's sad because there is no deficit of attention to be given, but you and I have to go to much different lengths to receive it. And yeah, I think I'll, I'll stop there, but that that's the long version. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for reading that and sharing that. Um, I think what really resonates with me is, um, that how strippers specifically strippers, um, through media, music, movies, television, um, are like just showcased. Yeah. But in real life, um, there's just not a lot of room for us at the table. Like you said, you know, it's like, it's fun and cool to be around them for the night and you look cool, but to regard us as like any potential like colleague or idea person, it's just like laughable. And it's, it's a very confusing, it's confusing. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's something I really, being somebody who was like, from the Midwest and and having moved out here when I did and working at Cheetahs, like in the beginning, I had the idea that because I was around people who claimed to have pull or people who I knew were famous and they would sit and talk to me for hours sometimes, like I, I let myself, and for good reason, because it makes sense when you, <laughs> to me, it makes sense, although it seems naive that like, it could actually be beneficial to my career outside of stripping. Um, and the unfortunate, I mean, I had some, you know, nice people who, you know, have helped me in some ways, you know, it's not to discount all of it, but it it's, I think it's really hard. C- civilian people are just not used to looking at us, uh, as real people were in that position. I don't or know. It's fucking intelligent sad. or like smart, yeah. you know, like yeah. I saw a meme or something. It's like, you think strippers can be dumb? Like, do you know what we have to do? Like yeah. we have to convince complete strangers to give us all their money just to right. rub our bodies on them. And like, yeah, that might sound like a no brainer to some people. Like, really, that's all guys want. But it's like, yeah, but when there's like 30 other people in the room trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And there's like all these options and like it, it's it's very, very difficult. It requires an extreme amount of intelligence. It's a high working sales job. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. You have to learn to talk to all kinds of people and I don't know, uh, amend your personality but it's like it's less about like being fake and more about and like being a million different things not like pretending to be somebody else but like inhabiting all these different qualities i don't know that's yeah no absolutely absolutely and i think you know los angeles i mean i'm sure that they experience seeing celebrities and other parts of the country, but I think in Los Angeles, especially for us working in literally like in Hollywood, right? They're just everywhere Mm -hmm. and they want to watch us. I used to say that I used to like yell this to the dancers at work. I'd be like, remember bitches, they're here to see us. We're entertaining the entertainers. Like, cause that's how cool we are, you know? But then like cut to, they don't think we're cool at the end of the day, you know? It's so weird. It is. Yeah. 
Like they they want to watch us, but it's some kind of weird like either it's look how much I can make you dance monkey or like <laughs> yeah. Look how look how much I can make you dance for like no money. I don't know. I that, yeah, I, well, I feel like I've had Kesha. that experience more with famous yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, like Kesha and The Weeknd. That happened with you? And Adam Lambert. Oh yeah, they would come <laughs> they come to Jumbos and like yeah. Um, Jude Law, same thing. Didn't tip anybody. Yeah. Didn't even tip the bartenders or the waitresses. And so he was, was there for hours and spent a hundred and racked up a hundred and fifty dollar bar tab at Jumbo's. That's really hard to do because the average yeah. drink price is seven dollars. Yeah, and didn't tip. Didn't tip a single person, not Gross. a single person, and was there for hours. Like closed the place down. Was the last group to leave that night. Tipped nothing and someone goes oh well he's from the uk i'm like fuck that man what he's been living in the he's been working here for decades like that is right. not an and excuse like, you tip the strippers in the uk too like well it's a little different you don't tip them on stage well over yeah, in the but- uk however he has been living here for a long yeah. ass time so yeah no 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 so yeah i mean geez so so they close cheetahs you send this letter you don't ever get a response and then never yeah and then any acknowledgement at all even during when she was getting called out by strippers not to me right um i only ever was in contact with her manager i actually because i was thinking about it since we were talking about doing this um and i went back and looked at those emails and then I, I sent another email to the manager like two weeks ago and I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, it really sucks that you, uh, you know, literally guaranteed me something. Mm-hmm. Um, and just completely fell through. That's mm-hmm. really uncool of you. Yeah. Definitely did not get a response from <laughs> that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I, I don't know what I really expect even sure. like at this point right. for her. it's like less even about her at this point. I just want to feel seen, you know? And at the time that like, I think I was really starting to think about kind of just publishing the letter with Susie's blog. Then all the stuff came out about her, you know, really terrible relationship with, Shia LaBeouf and how abusive he was to her and I was like well I don't really want to like release that at this time sure I don't know it's yeah I I, just uh, I just wanted somebody to know how I feel I'm like I it's strange because I feel like I a lot of the stuff I'm complaining about like they're kind of bourgeois problems to have of like I'm a little I'm an actress in LA and, and nobody cares. Like, okay. Like I'm a white actress and cheetahs and, and everybody just wants to watch me strip. Like, <laughs> you know, but I, I think there's a level of relatability there. Like, sure. I just, well, even though you're white and you're privileged, you still have feelings that is, you know, <laughs> we can, share them and I, I think that we can all learn from each other and um and yeah you know what happened to y- all of you wasn't just you at Cheetos yeah. there was no privilege for anyone in that situation you right. all very unfairly lost your job um and then a few months later the pandemic hits yeah and you know, and a lot of other people, you know, they were able to get unemployment or they weren't out of work for what, five months before the pandemic. And then on top of the pandemic, like that was a lot for all of you to handle. And I think that sharing your thoughts on that experience is very valuable because the story of cheetahs and I interviewed Teddy and Malice a while back closer to when this happened um the story of cheetahs is um an example of what can happen to any club to any group of strippers anywhere in this country yes anywhere in the world but in this country at any time 
that could happen. And the only way to make sure that that doesn't happen is making sure managers and owners are held accountable all the time. And um, the only way we can do that is together because yeah, no one's doing that for us ever. Well, yeah. And if you do yeah. it individually, you just are fired. Correct. <laughs> and <laughs> there's only a handful of people who can do it individually and takes a pri- it take us a privileged person, someone in a place of privilege to be able to even say or do anything because there's so many folks that don't have the voice and people aren't listening to so yeah just uh, just freaks me out man i'm just i get worried about where where we're going if we don't if we don't unite <laughs> yeah you know um so i want to change gears just a little bit um you know you mentioned you do online shows you're on mm-hmm. them, but you also host them. You do cool cats with like yeah. and be sketchy and Teddy and honey. Um, what, uh, w- tell us what happened to your Instagram account recently. Um, because I know yeah. before what happened to your Instagram account, we all, everyone, every virtual show felt threatened that something was going to happen to their account and then yeah. nothing did. And then cut to your story. <laughs> well, I mean, Anybody who is on Instagram and is a sex worker or is close to a sex worker or a number of them has probably seen a lot of people getting deleted over the past year with the implementation of like new community guidelines and stricter rules about nudity and what qualifies as sexual and sexual solicitation. It's all pretty nebulous. Um, we had been getting by on our cool cats account. We were pretty obviously shadow banned. Um, you know, have like about something like over a thousand followers, I believe. Uh, and yet posts getting 50 likes and, you know, stories getting really low numbers. So that's already annoying, but at least, you know, we can share those things on our own pages. We can share things directly, and we have some sort of platform um, and people can look for us. That was how it was going until July. And it was right before my birthday. I was doing a show for my birthday and um, I was advertising for it. We, we always post pictures of our dancers and we're pretty, I mean, at this point we're all pretty educated about what, will and won't get some get your post taken down on Instagram but of course it can be completely I don't know as as you've probably noticed celebrities can post their full tits and ass or whatever and Mm -hmm. you know it it really depends on the person yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah and um so we got a couple of posts reported um, we'd been alerted that they were either reported or it was taken down just algorithmically for spam, uh, which is, that's what was really strange to me and led me to believe that maybe we were reported because it, it didn't say it was particularly about anything sexual, but I don't want to throw that out there because I don't know whether or not that's true. Um, anyway, we got a couple warnings and then the next day I went back to post something else on the account and it was just gone. It was the day before, uh, my birthday show. So I really needed it that day to get people's attention and continue posting so that they knew when and where and that I was just gone. Um, mm. I ended up, yeah making a video about it and posting it on my personal Instagram, uh, just kind of explaining the situation. And thankfully I think a good number of people saw that and, uh, it kind of, in a way it kind of increased our, uh, intrigue that day. Um, and I think we had more customers show up for that because people were like, you know, that's fucked up and mm-hmm. let, let me, let me get on there and support. So that was nice. You know, we really had some people come through because of that. Yeah. And then we were just down for a while. Um, but we ended up getting it back, which is the really cool thing. So yeah. how did you get it back? How did you get your account back after Instagram deleted it? 
Yeah. So the process of getting your account back is basically you have to inform as many people as you possibly can about the actual process on Instagram about getting your account back, which is essentially that you go to the report a problem feature in your settings and you say so-and-so in this case at cool cats online has been deleted. And you say this page um, was important and it didn't violate community guidelines. It should be reinstated or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And you just have to get as many people and as many accounts to do that as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's kind of nebulous. Like I don't really know how they decide who to reinstate and who not to. Me neither. Uh, we we were lucky and I think we yeah. had enough people show up for us and yeah. Um, that's awesome. Cause that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't happen. So I've, you know, I've been in the uh, social media discrimination game for a minute now for a few sure. years now. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I think since like the summer of 2018, I've been working on and understanding a lot and, um, and I have helped people get accounts back the way that you say, go into settings, report a problem, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it doesn't always work. Sometimes it yeah. works and then sometimes it doesn't work. And I don't have any idea how they decide who's comes back and who's doesn't. Cause I've seen all different types of folks get their um, account back. So I, it must be a numbers game. Because I've seen a variety of different types of folks because we obviously know that Instagram operates from like a racist point of place and a able body place and a skinny transphobic. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, but I've seen all different types of people get their account back and I don't know. I don't know. So I, I was nice that you had that success story. I was really happy to see that you did get your account back and, um, and to anyone out there who has lost their account um, and you want to know how to get people to help you get it back, um, you can write to the podcast Instagram and I'll tell you because I got a list of how to do that. So I'm sure you you had to like put the instructions down like step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you got it back. Um, are you all still doing Cool Cats? You still doing shows? Yeah. Great. We've got a show coming up. Um, it's going to be next Friday, the 24th. Okay. Well, yeah. this episode isn't coming out till December, November or December. <laughs> so. Well, in, in your case, everyone, it was in the past. And look out exactly. for the next one. But you have plans yeah. of continuing. There's no like, you're just yeah. going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I have a I blast think, with you guys. Yeah. yeah. We're just kind of you know we've scaled back on the amount as uh, so mm-hmm. obviously the demand's not as high with things being more open but yeah we have been consistently doing like one a month nowadays and yeah it's it's nice to keep up with and yeah to keep connected with because i've met so many people now yeah. that i never would have known before the pandemic so many dancers and other right. types of performers and i never knew you before it's I know. pretty that awesome isn't yeah. it yes yes i love it want to be fabulous just like these strippers pay attention it's stripper tips my stripper tip is specifically to those who have somebody who's a stripper in their life or even just kind of like tangentially know somebody um it's just like, do something for them. Um, I personally am a big, very big acts of service person. Um, but my experience of stripping is that it's like, it's so exhausting and it's so draining sometimes. And people really like will take so much from you without giving anything back in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Um, and so it's, it's nice just to have an action of to show somebody that you care with your actions. I really think so. Like, you know, help somebody run an errand or Mm -hmm. bring them a treat or yeah, just something helpful like that. To me, that's makes the biggest difference. Yeah. If someone brought me a snack, like, yeah, that's a big deal. That is so heartfelt. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm an acts of service person too. So that resonated. Thank you. Yeah. 
Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. Question number one. How do mermaids have sex? Oh my God. Okay. Well, I know that fish have sex by releasing eggs and then the man fish just kind of releases sperm and they just sort of find each other. Um, so I, I assume it's probably something like that, but I think there's probably a lot of like upper body foreplay involved as well. <laughs> yeah. <Nothing>. Yeah. <laughs> why would you, or why would you not try skydiving? Oh, I absolutely would. Um, I love heights and other kind of scary, thrilling things, especially ones that like, like pole dance, for example, is kind of under that umbrella, but it also like requires so much effort. Um, it's like tiring and the idea of just jumping out of an airplane and like falling and not having to, <laughs> there's probably a certain amount of effort involved that like, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily be accountable for I could right. be attached to somebody else. So I, I love that, you know, yeah. it's only a roller coaster, but even crazier. Got it. I love that. <laughs> Do you pee in the ocean or in the pool? Definitely in the ocean. Um, in the pool, I, I've historically it's in a lot of cases, I have to be honest. I had, um, <laughs> it's probably, I was probably like a teenager before I really sure. had to decide to stop peeing in the pool. Oh. Um, you know, and I was like, you know, this is wrong. I do remember a time when I was like probably like seven or eight and I was swimming in the pool with my cousins and like my mom. And I said something about like, and if you pee in the pool, it's fine because it's just water. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and they were all like, no, that's not true. And I was so embarrassed. So, yeah, I learned my lesson that oh, way. Oh, man. Thank you. If Hard someone to break, though. <laughs> Last one. If someone offered you a million dollars to run a 26K marathon without training, do you think you could accomplish that and walk away with a million dollars? 26k mm -hmm. how many miles is that uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's more or less than 26 miles less i think it's more it's more i don't know that's... i have to get a calculator oh. <laughs> um i don't i have no <laughs> idea it's long it's far it's that's very it's far. far yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to say I would try, like, would I have to, uh, get it in a certain amount of time or would I just have unlimited time? You can't, <laughs> I can't ask more questions. No, no, you can't ask more questions, but if you're, you have to do the 26 K you can't like do like a part of it and like, sleep. and then like sleep, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have to, like do it. <laughs> I think I would definitely try. I okay. think I definitely try. It would probably be a lot of walking. Um, I okay. yeah, but okay. I would. I, do I would believe try. that the 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 question was to run. To run? Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that changes everything. That changes everything. Oh yeah, tough, right? That's a good question, though. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I would, um, I would still try okay. and I would, I would most likely kind of do this sort of like thing that looks like running. That's <laughs> maybe walking more. And I would see whether or not I've gotten trouble for that. Um, yeah. I don't know awesome. who would be my judge, but the you got to try. Yeah. At least. <clears throat> wow. Great answers. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. I, yeah. I just want to remind everyone out there that yes, the stripper podcast is a listener funded podcast and we are accepting rain and money and donations or tips or whatever you want to call it. Um, money in our account. Um, you can go to paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. Um, and we use this money to pay our hosts and our guests and um, we're very excited to be able to pay sex workers for doing this show. So thank you in advance and thank you to those who have donated in the past. So Charm, can you tell everyone where we can find you and follow you and 
stalk you basically? Yes, please follow me on Instagram. That's probably the main way to get a hold of me. Uh, my Instagram is lindsay.bug, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y dot B-U-G. And if I got anything cool going on that you need to know about, I will most definitely be posting about it on there. So that's a good way to keep up with any and all of my endeavors. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to Yes, a Stripper podcast. We love that you listen to us and tell us how we're doing and feel free to send us a message anytime. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been a production with Period Podcast Network. Find out more on Instagram at Period Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram too at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Please like, subscribe, and rate Yes, a Stripper Podcast here on YouTube. See you next week.